Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Birds. The Eagles lose to the Green Bay Packers. I think the final score was 30-16. to 16. Dropped a 3-8-1 and one on the season. Uh, I'm your host today, Nader, or as uh, everybody here calls me, Nader. Eagles.world with the whole squad, Donovan, Jay, and Max. We're going to break down this Eagles lost to the Packers. Talk a little bit about Jalen Hurts, Doug Peterson, Howie Roseman. We got a couple of interesting reports before the game suggesting Peterson may be on the hot seat. Some interesting press conferences about the team moving forward. And I think we should just jump into it right there. Uh, before we get into the game itself, I know Max had some notes about the Peterson press conference, the Wentz press conference, who's starting at quarterback next week. So I'll kick it to him to, to see what he's got. Yeah, basically to sum it up, if you didn't watch the game, I assumed everyone watched the game. You know, Jalen Hurts went in the quarterback halfway through the third quarter because Carson clearly was not getting the job done. Peterson said in his post-game press conference that he needed a spark off the bench, and obviously he went to Hurts for that. People have been calling for this for weeks now after Wentz hasn't been playing like he should be and how he has in the past. So, yeah, you saw that Peterson went to Hurts for the game, the rest of the game, and Hurts looks good. We'll talk about that more in the podcast. But even after like all the press conference stuff, I want to get into Doug Peterson because Doug Peterson has not been good this year. We know this. His play calling was terrible again today. You know, in the first half, Miles Sanders had five carries. All five carries came on the first drive and he had 17 yards on the first drive. So you would think, OK, let's go back to him. But no, let's put Jordan Howard, the four string running back who he just signed off the practice squad this week in the game for a lot of these carries. Let's throw Boston Scott in there for a lot, even though I love Boston Scott, obviously. But you have a great running back in Miles Sanders. I don't understand what Peterson has against him. Like, is Miles Sanders have something against Peterson? Like, is there something there? Because he has not been using Sanders the way a normal head coach would be using Sanders. Um. Yeah, so Wentz in his press conference today was saying how he was told Hurts is only going in for one or two plays, which probably was the case. But then he was never told that he was being benched. I think that's just terrible communication within the coaching staff to Carson Wentz because obviously Wentz had to have known at some point if he kept playing the way he did that he would be getting benched for Jalen Hurts. But to not tell him today that he was getting benched is just ridiculous. You have to let the man know that he's not going to be playing the rest of the game after that Hurts drive. It's just ridiculous that he did not know he's going to be playing. Yeah, and I think it brings up an interesting question if they knew they were going to bench him when they when Hertz went in and um if Hertz was struggling if they were going to pull Hertz and put Wentz back in, which sets up an interesting dynamic for next week because Peterson didn't commit to a quarterback starting next week in against New Orleans. Um I think we all here assume it's going to be Hertz, but it's super super interesting that they don't have they didn't hit an answer on that. It seemed like they didn't they weren't it didn't seem like they were pulling Wentz completely when Hertz went in, but he started producing. He had that nice deep ball to Rager uh, and turned it into some points later in the drive. So, um, well, yeah, we'll when you see, when you see Hertz go in, obviously you, you don't know if Wentz is going in like soon after, or if he's done for the game. Like when I saw Hertz going in today, I didn't know if he was going to be in there for one play, two plays, you know, it's really nice read option. Like Doug likes to do with Hertz or if he was actually going in there to take over for Carson. Right. Cause obviously Carson needed to be benched. Like he wasn't right. good again today, but then, when you put Hertz in there, it showed some other flaws of the offense. Cause like Hertz is obviously better, a more mobile quarterback than Carson Wentz. And Carson Wentz is pretty mobile, mobile, but Hertz also mean Jay were talking about it earlier. It seemed like he had a better pocket awareness today than Wentz has had all year. And it just also showed how bad that offensive line has been. The hope is, as Jay was talking about earlier to me, that they'll practice together as the same unit for next week. So maybe they'll get better as the weeks go on. 
And next year you will have like, hopefully Lane Johnson will come back. Obviously these guys are coming off injuries though. So you have to remember that. So they might not be the same player they were like Lane Johnson, Brandon Brooks. We don't know if Kelsey will be here, but offensive line is a big need for this team this offseason because Ciamalo might be kicking it back into center if Kelsey does retire. Dillard wasn't good in training camp, then got hurt, obviously. So he might be your left tackle. Mylotta might be your left tackle. And he's been, Mylotta's been good. Don't get me wrong. I wouldn't say he's been great. I wouldn't say, I'd say he's an average starter. He might start next year, might start the year after, but eventually he's going to probably need to get replaced. So I think that became a big need today that I witnessed. With when Hertz went in, because Hertz was still running for his life. It's just more the fact that Hertz is more able to get out of the pocket and get down the field using his legs than Wentz is. And I think also Wentz is just seeing ghosts right now. So Hertz was going to make the most of his opportunity. We saw the offensive line collapse several times when Hertz was in, and obviously when Wentz is in. Because what are they at? 50, 51, 52 sacks now on the season? Something like that. Yeah. And absurd. I'm, I'm curious to see what, what Jay and Donovan think about this game and their main takeaways. I think I would probably say it's the same issues that have been plaguing the Eagles all year. If the defense does not play out of their minds, which they were sort of pedestrian, maybe below average today, especially at the end, giving up their average today. To I mean, I think it's yeah. clear though they need another cornerback. Obviously, yeah. Maddox is, should not be cornerback. And too. and Maddox was like fine today. I just think like even before the huge touchdown to Jones at the end, let's say you're counting them for 23. Although that was a pretty massive spot, but let's start with just that part up until the last the last touchdown, 23 points. It's a fine game. They did okay against Rodgers. They did fine against Adams. But they didn't have a great game. And so when the defense doesn't have a great game, the offense is not going to pick it up. The offense was anemic until Hertz came in. Even when Hertz was in, it wasn't moving that well. It was a lot of Hertz just scrambling. And it looked like kind of taking the Packers off guard, which is strange because it feels like they should know there's a mobile quarterback in there. Um, but I'm curious to see what Jay and Donovan think in their main takeaways for this game before we get into Hertz specifically. Um, my main takeaway is the, the inconsistency with this team. Um, the defensive line in the first quarter dominated that quarter. After the first quarter, the defensive line was, was completely shut down. The secondary was, for the second straight week, completely shut down by Devontae Adams, the best Packers receiver on the team. Last week it was DK Metcalf on Darius Slay. Darius, Devontae Adams had his way with Darius Slay again this week. Devontae uh, Maddox once again, proving why he should not be an outside cornerback for the Eagles. The only problem is, is that the Eagles don't have anybody to replace him. They got rid of a guy like Rasul Douglas, who could have started on the outside. Uh, I don't know what's going on. Uh, Nicole Roby Coleman is another is another, the guy they have in the slot right now. Who yeah, Roby Coleman won't be on the team next year. He's on a one-year he's, deal. He's, he sucks. He, he can't play. He's not a, he's not a good cornerback. So then where do you put – when you put Avante Maddox next year, do you either put him back in the slot or do you put him at safety again? You know, so that's that's another thing. Um, the wide receivers, the receivers on this team couldn't really create separation. The offensive line, you know, it was kind of a up-and-down game. Wentz got sacked uh, at least three, to, uh, three times in a game for the 10th straight game, uh, the active longest streak in the NFL. And just overall, everywhere you look on this team, with or without Jalen Hurts, it just, it just looks really, really bad. And the coaching on this team is clearly a problem from, from Doug Peterson to the offensive coordinator, Press Taylor, to, to Jim Schwartz and his defense. It's just – it's a really bad team. And this Doug Peterson – how Doug Peterson manages this week will show – 
how he stands within the Eagles organization, in my opinion. Because if Doug Peterson makes that decision that Jalen Hurts is the guy, then Doug Peterson is fighting for his job. That's what I believe. I think I think Doug Peterson is willing to give um, give it a chance, and he wants to fight for his job to see what he could do this year and next year and going forward. However, I think if Doug Peterson shocks everybody and goes with Carson Wentz as his quarterback next week, I think that's kind of a big middle finger to the front office. I think it's a big middle finger to everybody else because um, Doug Peterson is basically because we saw the reports that said you know Doug Peterson will be open would be open to a change. Um, he's not against being fired necessarily. So I think Doug Peterson, if he rolls with Carson Wentz, I think it's a big middle finger and it kind of shows that okay. I'm just going to roll with Carson Wentz and see what happens. And I don't care what happens in the offseason if I'm fired or not. I know I have another job. Uh, what What else is there to really say about this football team? Like, going off the press conference conversation, if that's – if there's so much disconnect that Carson doesn't even know what's happening, he doesn't know who's calling the plays, he doesn't know how the quarterback situation is going on, that's a dumpster fire already. And then he's still not playing well. Is he the team's biggest issue? No, he's not. That's not – you can't say he is. The offensive line is still terrible. The wide receivers can't get open. This is probably the best trio of corners they've played all year, and they did nothing against them. Um, but Donovan said they're not – they're inconsistent, but they actually are consistent. They're consistently bad at every level, coaching, roster management, executing on the field it's horrible and for Doug Peterson playing Jalen Hurts whether it was just if if the goal was just to play Jalen Hurts for a few plays and then it grew out into a he's going to start the rest of the game we don't know we're probably not going to know it's just a confusing situation and I know we're going to talk more about Jalen Hurts later but just to plant my flag Jalen Hurts should be the starting quarterback for the rest of 2020 I feel like I, that's everyone's fly right now. Like, you, how do you what's go back the to reason to go this? back to Carson? Yeah, there's no, there's no reason to go. The season's lost, so you might as well see if you have something in Jalen Hurts instead of going I, back to Carson Wentz. And you know, you're losing. No offense to Jalen Hurts, you're probably losing the rest of these games anyway. Maybe you beat the Cowboys, maybe you beat the Redskins or the football team. Sorry, but you're losing next week to the Saints. Most, uh, you know, Taysom Hill starting. I wouldn't be surprised if they beat the Saints. But right now, you're definitely go, underdogs going to that Saints game. Your underdogs going to the Cardinals game, obviously. And then you have the Cowboys and football team game against the Washington football team. And those two games are winnable, but I mean, I'm not confident even with Jalen. I, I would just like to see Jalen play. I want to see him play. Let him play. Let him show you what he has. I don't care if we're losing games, but just let see what you have in him as a quarterback because you're very likely going into this offseason with a top five draft pick. And if you're with a new head coach and hopefully a new general manager, the reality is you're looking at quarterbacks. That's there's literally there's no arguing that even with Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts on this roster, I don't care about Carson Wentz's contract. I don't care about Jalen Hurts where he was drafted, because that does not matter to a new regime. They have no connection to them. There's no loyalty to them. There's no reason they have to make them look good like Howie and Doug have to do with Carson and Jalen. So there's a chance you're looking at a quarterback. So you have to see what Hurts has, and the likelihood is you're going into 2021 with a open competition at quarterback in the summer whether it's a situation where Carson Wentz is a starter, no matter what, in a kind of forced forced win, but a mentally broken Carson Wentz in an open quarterback competition, if he's here, 
that might not be pretty to say that least because this off season, looking back, I look back at his training camp and I think we were a little too generous to say he was very good in training camp because what it looks like is that he was just okay. Uh, I looked at what Elliot Shore Parks and Brandon Lee Gowton had to say, both kind, both definitely addressed the fact that on most days he was inaccurate. He didn't wow you in any way. He was okay. And they, Elliot Shore Parks mentioned the end of his training camp report card. Okay. Might not be enough. And he's not even been okay. Okay. Hasn't been enough. And he has not been good enough at all. You have to let this kid play. That's really all it is. And if Doug Peterson makes the right choice, Jalen Hurts is a starting quarterback. I would add just one thing on the quarterback conversation. I would rather go in another year, even if it's starting Hurts at quarterback, than drafting one of these guys. Um, I don't think any of these quarterbacks are going to be that good besides Fields and Lawrence. Personally. Yeah, that's exactly sort of the point. It's, I mean, you're not going to get Fields. Yeah, if you watched the Wins. BYU Coastal Carolina game the other day, Zach Wilson, that's the BYU quarterback, right, Jay? Zach yeah, Wilson? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you're looking at him in the same lens you looked at Josh Allen. Like, if a co- if a if a whoever, if you evaluated Josh Allen, you said, I like this kid, you're going to look at Zach Allen, Zach Wilson, and say the exact same thing. So, if you. But I, I, I just I think it's a mistake to have a second round pick. Uh, even if you're somebody else, another talented, oh, I agree. I had, agree. had a third round pick on Hertz. You know, most teams they said have a third round pick on Hertz coming in. It's I think it's a mistake to have a third round pick on the roster, and then take what I think most people are considering a second tier quarterback in this draft with that top pick, especially when the roster is clearly not built to compete. We've seen time and time again, and this is actually Dallas's reason for not paying Dak Prescott, is that teams have the most success when their quarterback is on a rookie deal. It's obvious quarterbacks in their second or third year that are good start producing quickly and if their cap hit is low you can build the roster around them very easily eagles had their super bowl win when wentz was on his rookie deal and are now declining as their good players are eating up cap and wentz's number is about to go up they haven't been able to build those contracts out like they had hoped i think your best bet is to get jamar chase one of the other top wide receivers in the draft build out your skill positions Build out your offensive line. Take a year or two with Jalen Hurts or maybe Carson Wentz for a couple of games, whatever it is. One of these guys, both these guys on the roster. Take a couple of years to develop the young talent on this team. That includes Dallas Goddard. That includes Jalen Rager. That includes Travis Fulgham, although we'll get into him in a little bit. That includes some of the talent on the defensive side of the ball, Alex Singleton, Avante Maddox in the slot. You don't have a ton of young players beneath that, but guys like Josh Sweat, maybe Derek Barnett. Maybe Javon Hargrave, he's a little bit on the younger side versus Fletcher Cox. And then obviously the offensive line with Mylotta, Opeta, Herbig, Driscoll, Sayamalu. If you can develop some of that talent over the next year or two and then say, okay, it's clear the quarterback is not is the problem and the quarterback is the only problem, then you can convince me that it's willing it's worth the what's going to end up being a high cost to move up and grab another quarterback, even if it's just a first round pick. Because as it currently stands, the quarterback is not the missing piece. And we saw that with Hurts today, and we'll get into it a little bit more in, in a few minutes. But it's clear that this roster is depleted all over the board. And so I'd much rather see what we got in Hurts and Wentz, maybe take a couple more years with them, develop the roster out, keep our draft picks the next couple of years. In fact, probably do the opposite, stockpile draft picks, whether that includes trading Wentz or trading Fletcher Cox or somebody else, Zach Ertz, obviously. And, and just stockpiling draft picks and seeing if you can hit on a guy like Justin Jefferson, DK Metcalf in the first or second round, or one of those young cornerbacks 
uh, or secondary players in on day two, day three. Avante Maddox was a fifth round pick, and he's been a serviceable starting quarterback. Rasul Douglas was a third round pick. He was fine here. He's been good in Car- in Carolina. Sidney Jones has been okay in Jacksonville. He's getting a little bit too much hype. But if you can get production like that from young players and start hitting on young players like that, then you stand a chance at rebuilding this roster. And then you can say, well, maybe the quarterback is the problem. Let's go get another blue chip talent. And that'll lead you back into contention. As opposed to right now, if you go and a new talent value comes out here, first you have to offload Wentz somehow because you're not going to go into the season with three premier picks at quarterback. Hertz is going to be here for the rest of his rookie deal. As a backup quarterback, that doesn't make a ton of sense. It didn't make a ton of sense when they drafted him. It's not going to make a ton of sense now, especially when you haven't seen enough out of him to suggest he's not ready to play in the NFL as a starter. So I don't think they're going to take a quarterback, but if anybody's rooting for them to, I think you should take a step back and reevaluate. None of these guys are surefire except for Lawrence and maybe Fields, and, and you're not going to have a shot at them anyway. One of the big arguments that we're all hearing is that, and Carson got asked about it tonight, was it has – do you think that they have properly built around you? And one of the answers is no. The roster isn't very good, but here's where it's a conglomerate of bad because we talk about the offensive line and we talk about the wide receivers. Just They spent a first-round pick on Andre Dillard, third-round pick on Isaac Sayomalu, fifth-round pick on Mahalapuli Vaitai. They spent two day, th- uh, two day three picks on Matt Pryor and Jordan Mailata. Then you got Jack Driscoll, Prince Tegelanogo. So you've added draft picks. You spent money with keeping Brooks and keeping Lane, bringing Peters back multiple times. Then you spent money on Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, Torrey Smith. Then you spent draft picks like John Hightower, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, uh, Jalen Rager, of course, Quez Watkins. So you're spending a lot. You're actually spending a lot of assets on these players. And then they've not... It's insane how many times they've missed on the same position. Like, how does that continuously happen? And then either look at the coaching staff, are they not developing these players? Because some of these players are getting worse. Jalen Rager looks worse than he did in college. And that kind of, you have to look, well, that, that's on coaching, it seems. And this is the coaching staff who wanted him. We've seen the reports all season that the scouting department, Andy Weidel, Ian Cunningham, they were behind Justin Jefferson. But the coaching staff wanted Jalen Rager, and that's where they went. Don't so forget how Roseman wanted him too. And we'll say Roseman. We can say Roseman wanted Jefferson, and I know Lurie has some role in that. Lurie has a much bigger role in Roseman wanted Rager. Yeah, whoever whoever Roseman wanted, he sided with whoever. Doesn't really matter at this stage. Yeah, it still comes down to it. Roseman made the pick. That's he made, he the makes the pick. Yeah, well, he Roseman's pick. an idiot. He should be fired too. And then there's the yeah. We know Jay Jaw. Like there's a, the scouts are behind him more. And, you know, Joe Douglas was one of those guys who was behind him. So it's a conglomeration of bad. And then the coaches can't develop the players. So it's not even like, cause sit like Rasul Douglas is a not, is not a good football player, but you got okay production out of him. They're getting yeah. nothing out of picks. Like yeah. you're getting nothing out of JJ. If you just got a catch every week from him, then it's like, he's a bad pick, but at least he's on the field. He's inactive. Healthy he's, scratch. Yeah. You got on the, on the inactive. the Gerard Avery too. You got two players. Pick. You got a 2019 second round pick on a healthy inactive, and you spent a 2021 fourth round pick on a defensive end who's inactive, so we can play Vinnie Curry. So and now it's not even missed evaluations; it's getting bad players. That yeah. falls on Howie. That falls on the coaching staff, and then 
you have to, and it's not all Carson's fault, but when you pay a guy $128 million, you expect him to elevate the talent around him to some degree. It looks like he can't do that. So you have so many questions about this team and it's looking, I think the best bet is to blow it up the three of them. If it was up to me, Carson Wentz, Harry Rosen and Doug Peterson are not on the team next year yeah but with the whole Wentz thing you have to you can't just cut him out right obviously because of his contract yeah but it's more the fact of what will you get in return you're not just gonna ship him off for nothing but if there's if people well the Jeremy Fowler report clearly people still see Carson Wentz has value whether that's here or like his the only realistic option where I could see is getting like a third second round pick for Carson Wentz is Indianapolis assuming Phil Rivers is gone after but the year straight possible but. I do not I have if anyone says you cannot get a first round pick for Carson Wentz I do not believe it there have been horrible you think of Jimmy Garoppolo who played four games who basically played four games got a second round pick Sam Bradford got a first yeah, but do you think the Colts will waste the Colts are obviously making the playoffs but do you think they're gonna throw a first round pick for Carson Wentz like it'll probably be I think what, they will. mid-20s they're very yeah. they're very close of yeah. being a Super Bowl contender they're eight they're what, quarter, they're eight. the quarterback they have uh, who the starting quarterback this year is going to be gone Philip yeah. Rivers is he's what does he has nothing he's not even very good they're the, Colts, really, the Colts right now are nine and three correct they're yeah. riding. They're in, riding. They're, they're very, very close from being like a Super Bowl content. Like they're competing they're in that four. division with the Titans. Oh, they're eight and four. Carson Wentz so. is better than Philip Rivers right now, so he's an upgrade for them. Uh, they, not this season, but yes, I'd rather have season, Carson. Really, yeah. Yes, but I'd rather have Carson. I, I also think. Rivers. Yes, I also think Rivers is. Is he expiring? I think he he's is. A one year deal. He's a one year deal. Yeah, close well, to your deal. And he's hurt. He's basically he's banged up. He has to get surgery at the end of the season. He's not gonna. He's not gonna be healthy. He's hurt. yeah. I I, I definitely think. Higher, but yes. And and we chatted a little bit earlier, but you can definitely get something out of Wentz. People are gonna be like, oh my. By the way, I, I don't know where this started. I think probably Eagles Twitter that people are saying you can't get off of the Wentz deal. That's that's it's not you accurate. You can get off. You're just not gonna save money, which is yeah. Fine. So yeah. So that's fine. So there's two things. You can not only you you don't even have to trade him. You can outright cut him. The problem is you will take an insane cap hit this year, and the odds that you'll be able to get. Enough, clear enough cap space across the roster to get to that point is extremely low. So it's not that you can't. You, you definitely could, and you would save a lot of money moving forward. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to do it this season. If you traded him, the entire contract would be dead money this season, and you would be, you would begin to feel the savings next year. But that's totally fine. The difference is he's on the roster as a backup next year or on the roster not producing next year. Yeah, there's a chance he's, he's off the roster, right? There's a good I, chance he's the backup quarterback. Yeah. So would you rather pay him? I'm assuming we're going next year with a whole new coach. And yeah. there's going to be quarterback assuming, competition. This is assuming we're blowing, oh, yeah. this, we're blowing it up. Exactly. This is the assumption. So would you rather go into next season paying him $35 million against the cap to be the backup quarterback? To ride the bench, or, yeah. Or you're paying him $35 million, but you traded him for let's say a first and a second round pick, and now you get cap savings for next year. You have two draft picks from. No, if, if someone offers a first and second, I'm taking it, not without a question. That's the best situation because if the new coach and GM think we can't salvage this, then what's the point of keeping him? Because you might think he can get back to there, but all we've seen in three years is that he's continuously going back down, and now his confidence is shot. He's mentally broken. Yeah. Can you fix him? We don't. His, Physically, his mechanics are off. His footwork is off. He's never been an accurate quarterback from the pocket. He might not be fixable. Maybe someone else thinks he can. Find someone who does. And and even even more of that point is is that that's why you need to see what Hurts offers you in these last few games. Because if he offers you something and you think, hey, we might have something here, 
then it makes a lot more sense to move on from Carson Wentz because you know he's not going to help you this season. It sends what hurts is going to be the quarterback moving forward. You're not going to get that out of three or four drives today. You're going to need him to start a game. You're going to need him to play. You're no, need we didn't see enough hurts. You, no you, need, you need a full week of practice. You need a full game. You need multiple mm-hmm. weeks. I want to see Hurts the rest of the season. Because he made a few good throws today. Let's let's get into Hurts. Let's get into Hurts. The the Greg Ward throw on the run. The the touchdown pass. Touchdown pass was ridiculous. Great throw by him. The couple of bootleg plays they ran with him were actually really good. The ones that ran for first downs. The Rager throw was really good. The deep one. I think the big thing that Hurts provides that Wentz doesn't is that Hurts is able to get out of the pocket. He has more mobility than Wentz. And that's saying a lot. Because Wentz is, I consider, a somewhat mobile quarterback. Obviously yeah. not one of the top ones, like not like a Lamar Jackson type. Yeah. But Hurts is more mobile than Carson Wentz, and we saw it today. And I think the big thing was Hurts had a better pocket presence and pocket awareness today than Carson's had all year. You yeah. saw Hurts get out of the pocket, make some throws on the run, get out of the pocket and run the ball. Did he get he, sacked today? I don't believe he got sacked. Yeah, he did. He got sacked he once, did. yeah. Well, let's, sacked well once. So, so he looked – he just looked more like – calm in the pocket like he like he just looked like didn't face him it didn't it didn't, like it it didn't. Wentz no when's the scene ghost right now there's, there's no other way to put around when it. he gets hit Hershey's got he, he gets hit but he gets up and Wentz, we can talk about it well i'll we'll start here carson's pocket management and jalen hurts's are so different because when you watch carson his when he reads the field his eyes drop and he's looking to run but he his way he moves around the pocket he 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 steps up at the wrong time, or he'll he won't step well, Carson up. Carson also tends to stare down one receiver. And That's true. Thing, Jalen Hurts is one of the biggest issues people had with Hurts coming out of college was that he was a one read quarterback. He didn't go through progressions well, but the player I saw tonight looked like he did. Yes, it, it yeah. looked like I agree with that. But it's also the three to four drives. I want to see him in a full game, starting every snap. You know, doing all yeah. that practice. This is, this is what we saw. I want to see more, but what I saw. We got a taste, but we was, didn't get the full good. sample. It was okay. It was okay for what the situation was. I want to see him in a full game, but what we saw, it looked like he could go through the reads and then run. It didn't look like the ball was snapped, pocket was some pressure came in and he was gone. Carson seems to even He get, drops. He either gets sacked or try to get out of it. He tries to get out of it. He tries to do too much. There. The first two sacks he took today were on him and yeah, not all of them. Because it's what usually happens with how horrible this offense is, is that Carson will make a play that's he'll make a bad play that's his fault. Then he'll get sacked. Because the offensive line got completely destroyed, and then he'll miss a throw because the receivers weren't open. It's like it's all three, but people will ignore the fact that Carson did cause one of those issues. That he's a yeah. part of this issue. People ignore that because it's like, oh, the line's bad and the receivers are bad, but it's like he's also not playing well. Well, yeah. Let me let me add a couple of things. I think it's a little bit of an unfair comparison. Uh, if you put Hertz in there and he gets hit forty times this year, maybe he doesn't take as many sacks as once. But let's say he gets hit like forty times this year, he's going to start seeing ghosts a little bit as well. Oh, yeah. uh, it also helps there's no tape on him and he's sort of a new quarterback and teams aren't really scheming for him. So the play is going to go down. But with that being said, I think you guys hit most of the points. The main difference is that when the play is breaking down and it's clear receivers are not getting open, but when the play is breaking down, Hertz can bail and turn it into a scramble, maybe a couple of yards. Whereas Wentz is not as quick or agile. He tries to get out of the pocket and make a throw usually, which leads to a forced throw. That's an interception an incompletion, a dangerous throw, a fumble, or it just ends up being a sack or a throwaway, and, and it's not a positive play. Hurts at least turns it into some sort of scramble, which, which you know, is a good skill when your O line is terrible. Good skill generally, but if you're, if it comes at the expense of developing as a, it shouldn't be passer, his first option, right? If it comes at the, 
Kyler Murray is a scrambling quarterback. Russell Wilson is a quarterback who can scramble. And I think those are the differences. And right. one hurts to develop into a Russell Wilson, not a Kyler Murray. <coughs> Excuse me. Not to say Murray has not been good. He's been excellent. Murray's been very good, but, but there's a difference between Murray right. and Russell Wilson. Totally but he's not player. a prolific not pocket player. passer. Yeah, he's not a prolific yeah. pocket passer the way the way Wilson can drop dimes to his players. And he still gets out of the pocket. And that's what makes him an elite quarterback. Murray is a is a dual threat quarterback who can make the throws when necessary. But a lot of his value comes that the defense has to account him for him in the running game. It opens out a lot, a lot of things in the passing game. You could run play actions. You can roll him out of the pocket, that sort of thing. So you want Hurts to develop as a pocket passer to complement the fact that he's a prolific scrambler and, and, a, and a QB that's super mobile. Right. Um, and with that being said, I, I took we have some notes here on all of Hurts' snaps that you know he was doing something, either scrambling taking a sack before you, before you go into that i just want to sure. add something i because i just seen a report from mike k not only because this kind of adds into what max was saying earlier with the with the uh the press conference that carson wentz didn't know that he was being benched but basically not only did carson wentz not know that he was being benched carson wentz apparently didn't even know that doug peterson was giving press taylor play calling responsibilities yeah i i actually i saw this from k and i think he completely mis misunderstood what's going on here it's it's been the McLean report has confused some people. The way I read it is that Peterson has been giving Press Taylor more and more responsibilities every couple of weeks, and it's not uncommon for him to do that. And it's not uncommon for head coaches generally to delegate play calling responsibilities in the game as, as times come. A lot of coaches during the two-minute offense delegate play, press, uh, play calling responsibilities to an offensive coordinator or somebody else because they're the ones who are managing the timeouts, the timing, the spikes, the no huddle, etc. And so we find out Rick Scangarello has been doing two-minute the whole time he's been here. And it seems like Mike Rowe had a similar sort of role last year and I'm not, I'm, I'm not that surprised Press Taylor has been getting more play calling, but like it, it, it seems... I think Wentz is confused by the question because obviously he would know if Press Taylor is calling the plays because he's the one in Wentz's ear. Uh, unless Press Taylor is communicating the plays to Peterson, who then calls it in, but that that's what's probably happening. It's probably it's probably it's though it's a wacky situation that Press is telling Doug the play and then Doug's telling Carson the play. I don't know if it's I, just, I just all the disconnect between it's, the whole. Just, it's just it's very weird. The way I read it was just that he's been doing this all year, and Wentz was surprised that this is even a story and doesn't understand the question, which is and that just, like Press Taylor's and the fact that this is coming know. out in the middle, like the fact that this is coming out in the middle of the season, just just proves that this. Coaching staff in this this whole organization is just ridiculous. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think this has been blown up a little bit more of a story than it should have been, and it's more of a situation where it's McLean more, dug up something from earlier this this season. I think it's also more of a story that this could be happening in coming weeks, and it hasn't manifested yet, but is a possibility. I think it just shows the dysfunction in the Eagles organization right now, which between Wentz not knowing what's happening, even the reports that are out there, you think they would clear that up with him? Right. Obviously, you know that Taylor. There's been reports. McLean obviously reported. Rapport reported that Doug's not Taylor's not calling a lot of plays, but he's calling plays. So I think that's more of what Wentz is hearing. So we'll see how it goes along towards the end of the year. But you know, let's get more into Jalen Hurts. Yeah. All right. Let's go through the Hurts plays. So he comes in seven thirty nine left in the third, first and ten at the twenty five. Um, this was after. The Packers score to go up 20 to three. So the 17 point hole, he's coming in. It seems like he's going to come in for a play or two, at least two plays because you see him directly go back into the huddle after this snap. So first play is a read option. Obviously it's 11 personnel. Goddard's at tight end. It's a good read. Sanders picks up five yards. The Packers clearly respected Hurts as a running quarterback. 
Uh, and so it's a good play on the first on, on the first play. The second play is the same personnel on second and five. They run a play action. It seems like the pocket collapses a little bit. He scrambles, picks up a yard on the scramble. He's running to his left. He scrambles out to his left. So I don't think this was a design. I think the pressure sort of forced him there, which makes sense since the right side of the line is, has been the problem side of the line with Driscoll. And, and at this point, it was Herbig. Peters is already out of the game, I think. Somebody yeah, Peterson went out, with a, Peters yeah. went out with a foot. I think at this point, he was already out. Yeah, he was. No, no, no. Peters was well out, yeah. Yeah, so... It's really crazy how he's been playing through this. So um, pressure is coming from the right side. Hertz leaks out to the left side. He's running as a right-handed quarterback, running to your left side. It's not a fun throw to make. Ward is maybe open on that play. Nothing ends up happening. He picks up a yard on the scramble. The next play, third and four at the Eagles, 31. 6.45 left in the third. It's it's the same personnel. They run it in no huddle. Um, they kind of go hurry up, which is interesting. I'm, I, I don't know if that's by design of Hertz being in there, maybe to give a change of pace, but they go no huddle and they did for most of the time Hertz was in there shotgun. It's 11 personnel. Again, Rager is isolated to the near side of the field. Blitz is coming and there's a free rusher. I don't know if people saw this on the replay. There's a free rusher going directly through the gap between the left, the left guard and left tackle. So my picks up, technically speaking, my picks up the wrong rusher. You want to pick up the guy that's closest to the middle of the field. The outside rusher is le- less dangerous. So my Technically speaking, misses an assignment, although the blitz was sort of delayed. So I think we give him a pass there. There's a free rusher coming in through that gap. Hurts, it looks like his first read, unloads as he's about to get hit deep down the field to Jalen Rager. The ball, I think pretty perfect placement. Everybody remembers this play. I think the ball was perfectly placed. Great throw to Rager. Good catch by Rager. Who see, that's what you see with Rager, ball. too. Just look at that on that play. That's yeah, who you drafted. He, he runs by. He runs right by Kevin King. And there's been a few times Rager should have had big plays this year, but Wes yeah. just mm-hmm. missed him. Yeah. Yeah, right, runs right by Kevin King, who was a first-round pick a couple years ago. It was nice to see that. Great tracking of the ball down the field. It's a nice catch. That play is perfect right there. That's exactly what you want. Quarterbacks That's exactly what to you expected up. to get out of Rager when you drafted yeah. him. And the punt return, obviously, saw yeah. that amazing it's, punt return. It's but. curious that that was, the, that was his first read on third and four, which was essentially just a shot play. Maybe they hot route to that because they don't see any safety help on that side. But it's curious on third and four. That's the first read. They said I like how quickly he said in training. They said in training camp, Jalen Rager was the quarterback of the three they had. That was more hurts. Well, hurts. I'm sorry. Hurts was the quarterback who was more eager and more willing to throw the deep ball than Wenson Sudfeld. And I feel like you have to have, be like that when you have when you draft Jalen Rager, who's he's more comfortable throwing it down the field than Carson Wentz. Yeah. And, Would and you I see the Wentz pass the Goddard, Goddard today? That would look a terrible. It yeah, Goddard it caught it. It was a throw. terrible throw. Oh, the, it, was it, was, yeah. it was on the other side of the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was and, a t- and, wobbly. And I think this is another example where you see, like, Wentz can make that throw. We know he can make that throw. He actually, at this point, is probably in a vacuum, a better pack, pocket passer in year five than Hertz is in a rookie year, obviously. But he's not playing that way this year. And so in a situation like that with a free rusher and his first read, Jalen Rager down the field on a deep pass, my guess is Wentz tries to scramble out of that, probably gets sacked. And then we say, well, there was a free rusher coming. There's nothing he can do, which is true. Hertz is more willing to take those risks. And, and maybe it ends up differently, but it seems like a pretty safe throw. He puts it in a good place, which matters. Only Rager can catch the ball. He catches it, and you have a big chunk play. Everybody's all excited. The offense is moving. At that point, I think Hertz obviously has to stay in for the rest of the game. Here's the series after that. You had the uh, – I, I I don't remember. I, my notes are – yeah, here it is. So the first play is first and 10 of the Green Bay 35. Hertz 
rolls out to his left again. I think that's the same thing with the pressure coming in from the right side. Rolls out to his left. Nothing he can really do rolling out to his left. He tries to scramble. He's pushed out of bounds for a one-yard loss. This technically goes down as a sack. This wasn't really a sack. Nothing really open. In these scenarios, Wentz either throws it away, makes a dangerous throw, or gets sacked. Like That's the difference is that is that Hurts can maneuver a bad offensive line a little bit better than Wentz can just based on his mobility. The next play is the Boston Scott 28-yard run that comes back on a Samalo holding. I think it's actually that, was, of, that wasn't a holding. They should yeah, have pretty called. bad call. Um, the ball comes back. It's now second and 22 at the Green Bay 47. Uh, it's shotgun. Hurts. So it's an interesting play. Hurts. It hurts. Ends up scrambling for three yards on the right side. He drops really deep. It, it seems I think it counted seven steps from him. He sets really deep. And as a result, Driscoll gets beat on the right side, deep in the pocket. I think he was expecting Hurts to be a little bit further up in the pocket, and it was a small cushion for him, a little bit further up in the pocket. But he drops back super deep. The pocket collapses around him on both sides. He pulls up. He scrambles. It was a nice scramble to gain a couple yards. I can't tell if the design was for him to drop that far back or if he ended up dropping a little further back than anticipated. Again, it was second and 22. So you can reasonably expect that a deep drop is expected there, in which case the onus of that play, the fault of that play goes back to Driscoll and less so Mylata, who need to be setting, anticipating that he's going to drop back seven steps. Um, at, anyway, however it works, you end up in 30-19. This is his first drive. Green Bay 44, they sort of uh, they sort of just punt this play away. It's a draw play. The timing is a little off with Sanders, but against three yards, they punt it away. Second drive is the touchdown drive. He comes in at the, at the Eagles 27. We didn't know if he was going to come back in or, or Wentz was going to come back in, but it's but it's Hurts that comes in, first and 10 at the 27. This is 11 personnel. Rager's isolated to the far side. Goddard's also split on that side. Ward is in the slot, and Hightower's the other wide receiver position. This is a great example. If anybody goes back and watches this play, this is an excellent example of why Peterson's play calling has been so hard this year and why it's a little bit limited by the personnel. But think, let, let's go through this again. It's Jordan Howard in the backfield. And then your receivers are Jalen Rager, Dallas Goddard, Greg Ward, John Hightower. Greg Ward chips for Driscoll from the slot. So all of a sudden, you already have one receiver who's not really eligible off the line of scrimmage. He's chipping. It slows down his route. Dallas Goddard stays in to block, and so does Jordan Howard. So of your five eligible receivers, three of them are blocking off the, off the, off the snap. You have two receivers going out for a route. It's Jalen Rager and John Hightower, who is a fifth-round pick. Predictably, you have nobody open when Hertz reaches the end of his drop. He pulls the ball down since there's a little bit of pressure, and Rager and Hightower are clearly not open. Ward, Goddard, and Howard start to leak out. Howard's not really a catching running back, so it's not really any option for him. He scrambles out of the pocket, makes a guy miss, which is nice, carries another for a few yards. It's a 10-yard scramble. Same thing happens again on the next play. He scrambles for 13 yards. He has nice pocket presence. Herbig was cleanly built, uh, beat. Mylotta won his assignment on that one. Driscoll at the right side of the pocket collapses. He, he's able to turn upfield, pick up 13 yards. Again, showing his value as a scrambler uh, more than a pocket passer. The next play was the weird play to Dallas Goddard. It, it looks like uh, Hurston set his feet well too well on that play, and so he throws it to Goddard. It's a little bit inside. It's a little covered. It's weird. The play call is a little awkward. The play is blown up. Second and 10 from the 50-yard line. This is the the quick short pass to Dallas to Goddard on the left side. Um, footwork is a little clunky in the pocket, but the ball is good to Goddard. It's delivered well. That turns into a third and four at the Green Bay 44. 
This is when Ertz was wide open. Um, Packers show blitz. They bring it with a good disguise. Hertz has a lot of time. He delivers a good ball. Wide open Wentz. That's fine. I mean, wide open Ertz. That's Wentz the uh, that's the 21-yarder, well. right? Yeah, 20-yard gain for, for Ertz to take them down to the Green Bay 24. We could skip a couple more of these plays. Basically, it's the same sort of it's the same sort of routine, all these plays. Either the pocket's collapsing or Hertz is setting back deep. And then he has to scramble. Either way, he tucks it and scrambles because there's not a lot going on. The first down play is a scramble for two yards. The second down play is an incomplete pass to Fulgham. Uh, I don't think this was the this was not the drop. This was just a good pass breakup by Green Bay. I don't think Fulgham doesn't work back to the ball at all, so that could be why it, it gets get blown up. Uh, but it's a good play by the defense. Brings them third and eight. Um, it looks like Hertz has a good pocket presence. So this one steps up in the pocket. Throw, this was the one where he, my lot is beat on the left side. Hertz steps up in the pocket, leaks out to the left side. He's running to the left side, has to throw it across his body to Greg Ward. And, and he throws it too high for Greg Ward. I think people might remember this play. The ball is too high for Greg Ward on the sideline. It would have been a first down. Ward is wide open, but it's a difficult throw to make because he's running across the field, has to throw it across his body to Ward. It's a little too high. Ward comes down with it, but can't do anything with it because he's already pressed against the sideline. Uh, so that's a tough play. You're going to want to make a better throw on that, but it's difficult scrambling out to your left like that. Fourth down and eight, you get Alshon Jeffrey on the offensive pass interference. He ran a okay. Uh, he had a good delivery on that route, Hertz did, and put it exactly where, where Jeffrey wanted it. Fourth and 18, this is the scramble touchdown to Greg Ward. Uh, it's trips on the far side, Ertz in the slot on the near side, Boston Scott in the backfield. Packers are playing a deep off zone, it looks like. Hertz, good pocket presence, steps up in the pocket, leaks out to the right side. You want him scrambling to the right side. He's dominant throwing hand side. He finds a soft spot in the in the pocket, which Roman was talking about all game, leaks out to the right side, throws on the run, 25 or so air yards, a perfect strike to Greg Ward. Everybody's going to remember the touchdown. It's a great touchdown pass. Beautiful play. Eagles get within two possessions. Obviously, then Rager comes in on the punt return. He brings his punt return all the way back. The next drive, it's a little confusion. It's first and 10 from the Eagles, 31. They have a run to Sanders, a run to Sanders, pick up a first down. They have an incomplete pass to Alshon Jeffrey. It looks like the ball was a little inaccurate, but it could also be that Jeffrey and Hertz weren't on the same page timing-wise, so you have an incompletion there. Then you have a sack. This was the only real sack of the game for Hertz. The pocket completely collapses. Uh, Hertz steps up. He maybe should have stepped out and tried to scramble around, but he couldn't really do anything. He's sacked. Same thing would have happened to Wentz. Maybe he gets forced into a bad throw. Good job by Hertz to bring it down. Only a three-yard loss. And this is something else we wanted to mention is that Hertz, when he's sacked, is not always going down deep in the pocket like Wentz, who's just running around trying to make a play. Sometimes he realizes the pocket's dead and just falls forward for a couple of yards. And that makes a big difference because now you're in second and 13 or third and 13 instead of third and 18. Then you have the incompletion of Ertz. It's thrown a little bit inside. You want to throw that on the outside shoulder. It's a little inaccurate. Incompletion, the drive ends. And this is the final drive. It ends in the interception. Uh, let's talk about the interception specifically. I don't know if people remember this play, but from my notes, it's 11 personnel. Goddard's lined up to my lot as left. It's a clean pocket until he makes the throw. His arm was hit. Yeah, it was tipped the at the line of scrimmage, I think. The I'm ball sure wasn't was... tipped. Oh, the ball wasn't was tipped, but his arm was hit when he was going forward. But when he was releasing, okay. the, his arm was t- It looked like the ball, it, it wasn't delivered cleanly, is basically what we want to say. It wobbled. Yeah. You could see it, you could see it yeah. wasn't a clean yeah. when he was Ward, on, on the rewatch, Ward was a second or a split second late out of his break. 
he I didn't probably see that, had a false people, start. Yeah, people were thinking he had a false start, yeah. Yeah, he probably had a false start. The the cornerback on him, I think it was Alexander, is complaining to the referee that it's a false I start. I hate Alexander. Ward, Ward is sort of waving it off like, nah, no way that's a false start as the snap is coming in. So he's a split second late on his break. I don't think that ended up mattering. It wouldn't have mattered. Maybe Jalen Hurts got can, hit. Yeah, maybe if Hurts can deliver that ball a split second earlier, it makes a difference. But ultimately, it's just that his arm gets hit as he's throwing it. It's a good interception a good diving catch. Ward is open. Driscoll was beat pretty cleanly on that play. Sanders probably should have stayed in to protect. He leaked a little bit early. If he stays in, maybe he gets a chip on that. Maybe they give what hurts a little bit more time. But in general, the pocket just sort of collapsed all around him. There's not much he can do. And the only other note that I had from that was that it looked like when he went to the sideline, the camera showed him on the sideline. He was talking to Deuce Staley, not Doug Peterson, which I found sort of curious, especially because Staley doesn't you mean have interim head do, coach do Staley, right? Which Staley doesn't have anything to do with with offensive pass calling or offensive pass. You know, the, he, might, he might have been talking play, about running the ball. Who knows? Any kind of passing play is Press Taylor, Rick Scangarello, Marty Warningweg, Doug Peterson. Running is Deuce Staley and Jeff Stoutland. Uh, and I think the tight ends coach. I'm blanking on his name right now. I think he might get a little involved in there, but he's clearly not really Justin Pelle. Uh, yeah. yeah, he's not a huge coach for them. So um, on that play, it's curious that he goes and talks over to Staley. Maybe they've developed a connection in his time there. Who knows? He's, Staley's a former player. I know a lot of former players like him. Um, so interesting, it goes there. Ultimately, if we're thinking about this Hurts performance in totality, he made – does anybody have the number of, of passes he made? I think it was nine. I think it was nine. Yeah. yeah. I can pull it up for you right I'll now. Pull it, yeah. Let's pull it up right now. I believe it was nine. Yeah, it's twelve. So he made twelve. He was five for twelve for one hundred nine yards. Going through this, it looks like two of the incompletions were entirely his fault. They're a little inaccurate. The one to Goddard. The one to Fulgham maybe, wasn't his fault. Yeah. So there's a Fulgham drop in there. Oh, I can't wait to get to the Fulgham thing. There's a Fulgham drop in there. There is a uh, there's an inaccurate ball to Greg Ward, but that's a tough throw. There's an inaccurate ball to Zach Ertz. That should have been a, that should have been a, a completion. Don't get me There's wrong. A, he had he had a few discrepancies. Yeah. So like that, you expect he's rookie quarterback. He's gonna go through that. Coming in cold, by the way. He's coming in cold. Yeah, exactly. I, I would down. Uh, uh, I would yeah underestimate that. He has a couple inaccurate throws to to one to Goddard in heavy coverage. The the ball to Jeffrey, which was mistimed, uh, and the ball to Fulgham earlier, which was covered well. Then he has the Fulgham drop, um, and I think that gets him pretty much to seven. Other than that, good pocket presence scrambling is a huge plus with this offensive line and i was impressed with his ability to deliver on the run and his ability to throw the ball deep i like that he took that risk with rager and i like that ball to ward i'm interested to see how the offense looks with him if they have a week to prepare and install a package for him i imagine you're going to see more rpos more quick throws more rollouts than you saw with wentz and probably more deep shots to jalen rager given the connection that Jay was talking about in training camp, and now we've seen it in one game. So that's sort of what we saw out of Jalen Hurts. I think encouraging, but it's clear, at least from this game, in line with the scouting report, is that he's not the best and most accurate pocket passer right now. But this is a kid who adapts well to adversity, which is what you're looking for in your in your draft picks. Clearly gifted scrambling the ball and is a clearly gifted athlete. He can deliver big throws in big moments and delivers well on the run. And for those reasons, it makes him more of an intriguing start than Wentz, who right now, I'm not saying overall, but right now gets stuck on one read, forces too many throws, tries to play hero ball, doesn't trust what his eyes are showing him, 
and is really feeling the pressure in the pocket when it's collapsing around him and even when it's not. And so because he doesn't have that ability to scramble the way Hertz does, and he's not as athletic as Hertz, and you know, he's a little bit bigger, he's stronger, he's more physical, he doesn't run the way Hertz does because of that, it makes it more difficult for him when the pressure is coming to leak out the way Hertz was able to. And when he does leak out, he tries to deliver the ball somewhere because he's unable to turn that into positive yard. There was a lot of plays where Hertz literally just beat the linebacker to a spot. When they're both running somewhere, he just beats them to the sideline and he's able to pick up a couple of yards as opposed to Wentz, who ends up having to go straight at the linebacker and try to make him miss or run him over. And so that ends up with a negative play. So if Wentz could calm down a little bit, sense the pressure a little bit better, stop forcing throws and get off of his first read a little bit faster, which is he's had a problem with his entire career, then you might say as a pocket passer, we like Wentz in there. Even given that this season, given the struggles with the offensive line, I think it makes a lot of sense to let Hurts play it out in there and see what he's got, especially when you're going to be making huge decisions in the off season. And, and so that's all I add. That's a huge rant. I'll, Donovan said he had a point about Fogum. So I'll, I'll, I'll let him Wait, go. From before there. Donovan goes about Fogum, one of the lousiest arguments that we've heard since starting Jalen hurts has become a thing. Is, it is, that a the thing. Op- is that the offense just wouldn't change with hurts. And yeah. yes, the offense has to change. The op- but I'm no, I'm saying that it won't like people are saying, oh, it just w- it won't get better. Oh yeah, I know oh, what you yeah, mean. Okay, okay, you mean. okay. Yeah, yeah, keep yeah. going, keep going. Come and on. here's the thing, yeah, the offensive line is still going to struggle, and the wide receivers are still going to struggle. And you're taking Smith taking, to Philly. They're taking what Jalen Hurts is doing. What Jalen Hurts did, he, he included what I think it was like forty something percent of his passes. He threw a pick, he got sacked, and people are saying, well, he struggled. Should we bench him? Is he a terrible quarterback now? Is he a bad player? <laughs> saying, oh, Carson Wentz did this, but he's bad. I don't understand how people can take a year five hundred twenty-eight million dollar quarterback making the same mistakes for eleven weeks straight, and then that's okay. But the quarterback who is start who is not even starting his first game is playing meaningful snaps in his first real game. Him making similar mistakes because of the situation that it's just the same thing. People yeah. are evaluating these players in the same way. You can't. You cannot evaluate Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts the same way. Hurts needs to play more, but saying that he's bad because this and that Carson and that just makes up it proved that the off that Carson isn't the biggest issue. It proved that there's right. you already knew, but this does not just say this does not absolve Carson any blame because Hurts didn't play amazing. Mm-hmm. Like we all knew Hurts was gonna come in and you know become Patrick Mahomes. We just wanted to see him and see what he can do. And to be honest, he played better. There's literally he no played way. much better. There's no cannot, yeah. There's no other there's way to no put it. There's no way to say that Jalen Hurts didn't play better. You cannot make an argument that he did. I'm sorry that he didn't. But this is showing Carson is not playing. That Carson is playing worse than a rookie quarterback who, who has not played very much. So how are we? Where's that argument coming from? The offense at times looked better or at times looked the same. That's an indictment on Carson. Is yeah, he a and, and problem? The, no. But he's a problem, yes. The mistakes were slightly different, I think. I think Wentz, we talked about Wentz's mistake. Hertz, Hertz's mistakes here were just sort of inaccurate passes. Um, and and it can maybe be fixed. Yeah, and maybe timing was a little like off. After a rookie honestly, thing, like with, yeah, with, with a, rookie a full thing. week of practice, known yeah. as a starter, that changes. And this is also like these are mistakes. He went in randomly. Like these are throws that any quarterback you'd be like, "Well, that's a normal throw." So a great example is that is that Goddard throw and the Fulgham throw. Maybe Patrick Mahomes, maybe Aaron Rodgers is on a better rapport with their receivers and knows where to put that ball to make a completion. But for the most part, that's an incompletion because the defense is playing well and you don't have a lot of time to get through a ton of progressions. 
On the other throws, those are easily correctable, right? Those are easily the ward throw on the sideline was a difficult throw. Hopefully, you know, he has a couple reps there. He can throw that day. Throwing on, moving from to the left and throwing across your body. If he has a couple more reps there, maybe he brings that ball down. The, uh, the, er the Ertz throw that was too far inside, also an easy adjustment. Even though the route is cutting inside, you have to read the leverage of the linebacker. You throw to the back shoulder instead of the front shoulder. Maybe Ertz drops the ball anyway, which he's done this season, and Wentz has had a lot of those moments. But at least there, it's at least there's something to build upon here because he's able to make something happen when the pocket is collapsing, rather than Wentz, who even when the pocket isn't collapsing, is getting stuck on his reads and making. I think it would be good for Hurts to start next week too, because New Orleans yeah. obviously has a very good defense, so it'd be good to see him against a good defense. And today, we saw him go in. Was it twenty to three when he went in? I think yeah, mm -hmm. twenty three, and. The Green Bay was obviously playing prevent defense. They were trying to get some, make the Eagles take up as much time with preventing as little points as possible. So it kind of made Hurts' job easier. Players were more open, definitely, I would say. Definitely, definitely. So it makes more sense to start Hurts next week also just to see if he actually is for real, if he can play in this league. Because people, I've seen mixed reports on Hurts on how Hurts played today. I've saw some people say his arm looked a little iffy because obviously he did miss a few throws. But I think it also comes from he got put in the middle of the third quarter. Yeah. He wasn't preparing to start this week at all. Like Peterson has said, week in and week out, Wentz is my starter. Wentz is my starter. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But I'm really hoping that Peterson just comes to his senses like, hey, Jalen's starting this week. I didn't expect him to announce that today after the game I, at all. I know some people did, like, but like, I wouldn't expect that from Peterson. So we'll see what happens. I'm hoping Jalen Hurts is in the starting next week instead of Wentz. Donovan, I know you want to talk about Travis Fulgham a little bit. Let you dive into that. Uh, I know you want to, too. Um, um, yeah. I think we all do. Um, listen, um, there's no bigger Travis Fulgham fan than me. But, however, I think it's start – I think you could start questioning whether the whole Travis Fulgham thing was a fluke or not. Don't, don't you dare, Dace. Don't you dare say that. Uh, no, listen. Don't you dare. Listen, I'm going to run through the stats real quick, okay? From weeks four to eight, Travis Fulgham led the league in receiving through those weeks. He was targeted 44 times, 29 receptions, 435 receiving yards, okay? Great stretch. Since that time, he's been targeted 16 times. Now, these are weeks... 10, 11, 12, and 13, which was today. He's been targeted 16 times, four catches, 30 yards, including four drops. Okay. He's, he's regressed. He's gone. His playing time has gone down, yes. Largely part to Doug Peterson's weird obsession with Alshon Jeffrey. I have no idea what it is. I don't know why Alshon Jeffrey is getting playing time over Travis Fulgham. And to be honest with you, I don't even think – Greg Ward should be getting more snaps than Travis Fulgham. It doesn't really make sense, but there's no denying that when Travis Fulgham has been in the game the last four games, he hasn't produced well. He's had four drops in the last four games. Well, the thing with Fulgham was like, is he is he this bad? Like, who is like we're we're gonna play the who is he as a player game? Like, he's not this bad, but he's also not that good. Definitely, like where he was weeks four through eight. He's not that good, but he's not this bad. He's somewhere mm -hmm. in the middle. He's, pro yeah. he's probably like a wide receiver three. Like he'll, he'll have 500 or 600 yards a year. Maybe one year he'll have like 800 out of nowhere. I think he's a big slot. That's where I think he plays in, if you know what you call him. Because he doesn't play well over his press. And you can see that when he's pressed, when he's not. So I think that's just where he falls in. I think we did overrate him a little bit. But 
they still, no matter what he looked like, they still needed a receiver. But now it's like, can he step up? And why is Alshon Jeffrey playing over him? That's yeah. just the thing. Uh, that's, I that's, cannot that's... wait for Alshon Jeffrey to get off this team. I really cannot wait. It's he's really crazy. Terrible. Like, don't get me wrong. Super Bowl year, he was amazing. But ever since then, he's just been awful. And I was really excited to, to sign him, too. That was a really awesome. Bro, oh, yeah. Really at awesome. the time, oh, everyone first, was very happy about that year, contract. No, no, no. For the first, don't get me wrong. For the first year, he was he was great. I mean, he wasn't even bad the first year of his contract. His, the like, the, after the one-year contract. He played, yeah, the second he played year was also quite good. He, he played Except with, for the whole the way, drop uh, in the playoffs when he by lost the, way, the game. This could have been a very easy, very easy clean break if they hadn't restructured his deal right after they, they drafted George A. Arthurica Whiteside. They would have been out of it already. He would have been cut last year. But they, but they for some reason, restructured it, and then he got injured. And it's like, well, by the way, this is great. I, I, I was going to post this. I never mentioned this. Jason Fitzgerald of Over the Cap ranked his 25 worst contracts in the NFL. Alshon's one. Alshon's one. Carson Wentz is nine. We have two players. They could Cap God Howie Roseman has two Eagles in the top nine of the worst contracts in the NFL. And I would actually, I would actually arguably, he's been much better recently. Much better recently. Don't get me wrong. Javon Hargrave. But through the first half of the season, Javon Hargrave would probably should have been. Hargrave played good today. But he yeah. played. He's played he's much had a, better. He's had a good and, last couple of games. Yeah, we've chatted about this in recent weeks. But the way you fix this team is hoping guys like Javon Hargrave produce something so that they are not Alshon Jeffrey. If all those guys turn into Alshon Jeffrey and you just have tons of dead money on the team doing nothing, then you're screwed. If you have guys like Lane Johnson and Brandon Brooks who maybe are fighting through injury, obviously their play is going to decline, but are still giving you at least average play, then you're in a better shape. Then you're like, okay, our roster is old. It's expensive, but we're not bad. And and we chatted about this last week and getting back to it. So it's really encouraging to see Hargrave step up a little bit and play better. Uh, and and I think Rodney McLeod has been the same. He's been very good this year. I would like to see Darius Slay completely healthy because he's been banged up this year. It would be he's been he's been above average, I'd say. So to have him continue to play above average and stop expecting him to play on an island, which is why the trade was stupid to begin with, but we won't get into that. To, to expect him to play above average, that's exciting. It's really promising. So there are places where you say, okay, I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged by Jalen Rager being a wide receiver too moving forward. Jalen Rager, Jamar Chase, Travis Fogum, Greg Ward, Dallas Monty Goddard, Smith. Miles Sanders. That's a very solid group of pass catchers. At, you know, we've complained for a very long time that this group of pass catchers is not good enough. You got to upgrade. You got to upgrade. If you add a top talent like Jamar Chase, just think about this group of pass catchers with DK Metcalf. And you'd say, wow, that's a good receiving core. Because at the end of the day, there's only three receivers at the field. Maybe two if you're playing a lot of 12 personnel because you already have Goddard in there. And Ertz is probably getting shipped out. So next year, there's going to be three wide receivers on the field. Next if- year, like, like next year, if you got, let's say you, you're you terrible, you have a top 10 pick, you got Jamar Chase slash Devontae Smith. You have one of those guys on the outside. You have Jalen Rager on the other side. You have Travis Fulgham on the slot. You have or Greg Dallas Scott or Greg Ward, Dallas Scott at a tight end, Miles Sanders and Boston Scott at running That's- back. And then the offense. Rogers isn't a bad tight end too. We he's yeah, good I mean, he's a fine weeks. tight end too. Fine. And then you hope, hopefully, Mylata progresses. Right, you're you're healthier with Brooks and Lane. Say Umalo and Kelsey, whatever the situation there is, you should be better. So, but that, that that's probably a top problems. But yeah, I would have we would have to go through the league. But I'd argue that's probably a top ten to fifteen skill position unit in the league on paper and even yeah and on paper and even broader than that a top half a top half offense in the league so 
next year, I mean, and and you and all we're thinking, like, we're really just talking about a couple positions of upgrade. You're upgrading. And they have, they have to bring in a new offensive mind that's not Peterson. They Definitely. need to bring in a good court. That has to be a young. But, but you're talking about just in terms of personnel. Joe you're Brady. About, you're talking about upgrading Alshon Jeffrey to Jamar Chase. That's massive. You're talking about upgrading uh, Nate Herbig and Jack Driscoll to Lane Johnson and Brandon Brooks, even if they're declined, even if they're less healthy. That's better massive, than those two, right? You're talking about Jordan Mailata taking another step in his development. That's massive. You're talking about Miles Sanders hopefully being more involved, being on the same page with his quarterback. That's a big deal. So this offense has hope because part of the problem is personnel, and we've been talking about this all year. Is that Howie Roseman and and I don't think there are a lot of people out there who want Howie Roseman to stick around, but I've seen the national media stick up for Howie Roseman quite a bit and just blame this on Peterson, which no. is we have, known, we have known for a very long time. This guy does not have a clear vision of where this team should be going. Set aside the defensive side of the ball for a second, where they have not hit on a single draft pick in years. They have not had a pro ball player. They've not drafted a pro ball player on defense since Fletcher Cox. And before that, nobody since 2002. So the entire time Howie Roseman's been here, they've had trouble drafting the defensive side, especially in the last decade when he's had a ton of power control. On the offensive side, there's no clear, there's no clear philosophy on where they think this this team should be moving. They they're not investing enough in the wide receiver position, despite having a guy that they think is the franchise quarterback. They're putting too much stock in their ability to turn day three offensive linemen into producing players and too much putting too much on the plate of injured old offensive linemen like Jason Peters, like Brandon Brooks, like Lane Johnson. You didn't have adequate backup solutions to that. Just for a minute, think with me for a minute. If we had a third round pick offensive guard or offensive tackle instead of Davion Taylor who can't get on the field, how much better this offense would look? If you're talking about Mylata, say Amalu, Kelsey, Herb or, or Driscoll at right guard and like player X third round pick at, at, at right tackle. That's a massive upgrade if you hit on that pick, and they've been good at drafting offensive line talent. Listen to this here, okay? I, I, I just pulled up, as you said it, Davion Taylor. So if we look at the draft, Davion Taylor was the 103rd pick. If we go down, Tyree Phillips was the 106th pick for the Baltimore Ravens. He started games at guard this year. Then we have the 108th pick, Sadiq Charles, to Washington. Mm. And He's, people knew Sadiq Charles' name. He was up there. He was a he's a he's a tackle. He's played. Uh, that's really the only big names I can see just by looking off the bat. But what you're saying is true because I think you're looking right now. Ty, Kevin Dotson, I'm sorry, uh, he's actually started games for the Pittsburgh Steelers at the 135th pick. Yeah. Just you know, it's hindsight, and you know Jack Driscoll. You know, maybe he should be started, but I, what else do you have? Even at Tyler, Tyler Biedes, which who the Tyler Cowboys play guard. Yeah. 146th or Ben Bradson. And then if I look up the pit, the one of the best rookie offensive linemen was the kid in Michigan who the Patriots took. He's a guard. He's actually played lights out. He's one of the highest graded rookie linemen. I don't think he would have took him at that pick just based on value at that time, but Davey, I mean, they reached on Davion Taylor anyway, so who's to really say anyway? But if they just took a, a, another lineman there or even just Akeem Davis gather, if they were going to go with yep. a linebacker, it was just – it's oh, I'm sorry. And again, another one, I can completely missed him. The, the 111th pick was Solomon Kindley, who is the starting guard for the Miami Dolphins who started every game this season. Mm-hmm. So there's they there are starters at positions of need like Jalen Hurts is the pick where we all say oh look at all these players like look at Christian Fulton and Jeremy Chin 
But Davion Taylor was the worst pick of this draft. By far. By Because at least you had – at least – Kevon Wallace, Jack Driscoll are playing, yeah. At least those guys are playing. At least there was a ch- – at least there was some chance Jalen Hurts got the play because he was a quarterback. But Davion Taylor is so far from being ready that the projection over three years – is that next year he's just getting snaps. That's just the goal yeah. for next year is their yeah. goal. If they, and if they change the whole scheme, if they change if they change coordinators, then, that, then the plans change. So you might never even see Davion Taylor because they might not even want to use him because how raw he is. You're looking at a third-round pick who's maybe probably a career special teamer. That's it. You're just a third-round pick on that. It's not it's good. Not good. The drafting's not been good. And the thing with Howie though is this year, obviously, we heard this morning. If you were listening to the NFL Network and keeping up to date with our pages, that Ian Rappaport has reported that Doug Peterson is officially on the hot seat. You haven't heard anything about Howie Roseman, but it, we were talking about it. It you don't normally hear that uh, GM is on the hot seat. Usually, yeah, really, it just happens. Yeah. Think about it like Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn. All year and all summer, we heard Dan Quinn's on the hot seat, but Dan Quinn and GM Thomas Dimitrov got fired. Same with the Jaguars, Jim. Dave uh, Caldwell. Dave Caldwell. I don't think anyone expected Dave Caldwell to get fired right now. Maybe he was probably, After he was probably the year, on, yeah. He was probably on the hot seat. And then you think back, remember the ones the one summer John Dorsey and Dave Gettleman both got fired after the draft. Mike McCagnan got fired right after the draft. So you just you just don't hear GMs getting fired. And I, I especially don't think you're gonna hear that about Howie Roseman because Definitely not. Howie, Roseman is so close to Jeffrey Laurie, and Jeffrey Laurie's inner circle is so like it's just so locked in right. when it comes to leaks. You're just not going to hear things like you're hearing things with Doug Peterson, but so much of it is, it seems like it's people who are seeing things like they're seeing how people act. Like it sound, it seems like, cause you're not going to see Roseman. You don't see Roseman every day, but you see Doug at practices and people who are yeah. seeing this. You can see that Lori is upset at practice. You can see that Doug, how he's acting looks more urgent that he is fighting for a job but you can't see Roseman and you can't get into Lurie's inner circle. Leaks don't come from there. So I do think Howie, there's something that's going to happen with Howie. I think people are seeing leaks right now and thinking, well, Howie's of course he's safe. How is that possible? I don't buy that. Uh, No decision on any coach and no decision on a head coach or GM is going to be made for this team until the end of the season. There's no way that Lurie has decided right now that this is, this is fine. Like both their guys are going to return or fire. We don't know yet. We just don't know because Lurie doesn't know. How are we going to know? And and, uh, and and to Jay's point, it's tough to hear leaks about the general manager because they're they're a top you know they rank top five in the organization in terms of their importance. Whereas you know you could be hearing Peterson leaks from Howie Roseman, you could be hearing Peterson leaks from other coaches that are interested in his job, from other organizations that are interested in his job that are getting from, a sense from coaches on the roster who are right, looking to right. edge him out quicker exactly. to be an interim. Like it, Deuce Staley could be not saying Deuce is doing right. it. No, but and then Doug Peterson could he be trying to leak things against Howie? But how much does he know? Right, that's exactly he, the he point. He probably knows nothing. Who has any information on Jeffrey Lurie's thinking about how about Howie Roseman other than Jeffrey Lurie and maybe Don Smolenski or think maybe about, advisors? Think about when Chip Kelly gained power. That was a twenty. That was less than a twenty-four hour thing. Yeah, like it was the morning when the power struggle was revealed, and then at toward the end, toward the evening. Lori made the decision or the next day, I can't remember. It was a long time ago that Lori made, but that was a quick 
that was something that was leaked and then happened. That was not a gradually bleeding situation like yeah. it was with Doug Peterson. It's tough so to get GM things like doesn't ha- it does not it does not happen like that. I I would like some indication that his job is not safe. You know, something from one of these beats or a national reporter suggesting that you know at least Lurie is considering it or that his job is not secure or something like that. Like because I think talk about from their- look, yeah, and I think I think it's also good that we haven't heard anything because if he was safe. I think like Lurie might leak something or he might leak something to say like his job is secure. All Stop the things thinking people are saying, like, yeah. if you're saying like, oh, some reports are like, oh, he seems safe. But then you look McManus or McLean are saying it's like, hey, I, this is what yeah, I it's think. It's not a report. These are, these are, on, yeah, it's on, based guesses. on previous information. Like you're basing it off Lurie and Howie's relationship that we all know. We all know. We've talked about it I, hundreds of times probably in the last few months. We all know this. They know it. So they're just making educated guesses based off that situation. But we just don't know. And it's, are we getting it? Like, and Jeff is a loyal guy, but he fired Andy. He fired Joe Banner. Those are two guys that were with him for over 10 years. Right. Yeah. Before it, before Harry Roseman was his right-hand man, it was Joe Banner. Joe Banner. I think Joe Banner, I think Joe and Lurie knew each other since for much longer than Joe was in Philadelphia. They had Jeff Lurie knows. Jeff Lurie knows this is a business. He knows what needs to happen. He should fire. I I will be. I mean, the draft should say for itself. Like, don't get me wrong. It's gonna be really hard if the Eagles have the fifth pick this year to screw it up because you can. Yeah. Right now, everyone wants either you know Jamar Chase, Micah Parsons, Devontae right. Smith. Like, you take one of those three, you can't really screw it up. And, and if you go with consensus, there's not a ton of fault there, right? If you go with if you go with Jamar Chase and he's not good, it's the same thing as you know the Raiders going with Amari Cooper and then forcing to trade him because he wasn't that good in Oakland. Like, that happens, right? Pick people miss. People miss, but when you're when you're intentionally bucking the consensus to go after players that are outside the consensus, then you're putting yourself on the line. That's what we saw with like we've talked about it. That's even with Andre Dillard because Dillard yeah. was dropping. And Everybody else saw something and you didn't know it because you didn't meet with wonder, him. And we all said, I we all said it's like, oh, this guy's a top ten talent. Yeah, we got him. But on the other side, it's he's a top ten talent who we all thought, and now he's dropping to twenty two. Why'd he drop? And now we know why he dropped because. He's just not very strong, and he's mentally not into it. And they should have known that, but they didn't. And with J-Jaw, he probably went a few picks too early, maybe 10 or so picks too early. That was just a bad pick. That was just one of those picks where it's like, honestly, if DK Metcalf didn't if DK Metcalf didn't exist, we wouldn't really talk about it that much. True. Like J-Jaw, just, he's just a bust. They just didn't work out. But we wouldn't be saying, oh, this guy. But then, like, they're picking guys like, Sharif Miller, who wasn't very good at Penn State. He shouldn't have been a fourth-round pick. Clayton Thorson shouldn't have been drafted. Awful pick. He wasn't even a draftable pick. He didn't get to the training He barely got to the – he didn't get to the opening day roster. He didn't. No, he didn't. He they, got cut they, and they, down, picked him up. Now he's in the Giants. And then who uh, – like other – like Blake. Elijah Qualls was around for a year and they didn't like him. There's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot you of can, bad there, picks. You could go through so many years of bad, like even. There's just all these GMs. Like we've talked about this on previous podcasts. There's all these GM candidates out there that know what they're doing. Like John Dorsey, like people make fun of him all they want, but he built that Browns roster. That's currently what? Nine and three now. They yeah. nine and three. And then he, he put a lot of work into that chiefs roster right now. And obviously it's probably the next Patriots dynasty with Mahomes at quarterback, but you put a lot of work from that 
roster. Like John Dorsey here would be amazing. He'd be like a Daryl Morey type hire, like the Sixers did. I don't. I, I don't know if that's. I don't know if it would be the exact same. I don't love John Dorsey. I think I'm a John I, Dorsey. I, I like. I don't love John Dorsey, but I do like some guys they have, like Weidel. So I think it's a good balance. I wouldn't let. You, but there's other guys in other organizations, like you look at. Again, we've mentioned some guys like Will McClay in Dallas, um, like Daniel Jeremiah, of course, is going to be a name everyone talks about, or Ed Dobbs or Dodds in the, the, with the Colts, George Patton with the Vikings. So there's GM candidates we're going to talk about if we hopefully when we get there. But, and I think, yeah, like you said, there's a lot of like national praise for Howie Roseman and he has done some good, but I think it's a, there's some discrepancy between the national media and the local media because the local media will tell you that this team is bad and Howie is at the head of it. But the national media will tell you, well, Howie's a good GM. But it's a different just, story which, when different you're covering teams. 32 NFL teams to compare yeah. to one. When you see a team, when you look at it like with Doug Peterson, like some fan, like other people are saying, like, why would you fire Doug? You've made the playoffs like three three of the last three years yeah. you make it three years in a row won a super bowl you could still make it now but it's like well when you look at this team and only this good. Team, you can see they're not good and he's losing it and there's, there's a lot of the, a lot of the problem is doug peterson the play calling like we i think it was on monday night i, I, I go through twitter you know while they're playing the seahawks and a lot of these people are like i can see why eagles fans want to get rid of doug peterson this play calling is horrific there's no rhythm the play calling is they they abandon they don't like Miles Sanders is clear as day, the best offensive player on this roster. And they, they just get away from him. Like the first, the first few runs of the first, of the second half were a Jordan Howard run and a Boston Scott run. Like Miles Sanders touched the ball 11 times. He should be ridiculous. It's he ridiculous. Touch, and it's been like that the past few weeks. By the way, just breaking news here. Merrill Reese just tweeted that he'd be surprised if Hertz doesn't get the start against the Saints. I mean that's not really news though. It's just Merrill. I, I trust I trust Merrill. I trust Merrill I trust too. Merrill. But I don't know if it's. I feel like he would know something. Give me his they instincts, have to, baby. They have to prepare. They have to kind of prepare for something. No, I, I mean yeah, I don't think but... he knows for sure, but I think it's encouraging that his intuition tells him knowing he's been the around for I, Lord, well. uh, he's, he's, Yeah, he's, I mean he's been around. And his intuition. Eagles, the Eagles right now are opening up at six and a half point underdogs to Saints next week. His intuition. Hill Saints. His intuition that Hurts is starting next week is good. I think that's exciting. Well, he, he should. Doug Peterson should get fired this week if he announces that Jalen Hurts is not starting. Our conversations are going like right in what there's what four more weeks of the season. In five six weeks, our conversations are going to be switching from why are we still watching these games, what's happening in these games, to well where do we go from here, and the hope is that this offseason three- has a chance to be very fun. Very boring, or just this off totally season has worthless. to be looking toward the future. This off season defines your next. They, you won't be seeing years. them doing much during the free agency period because they no, don't have no. anything no. to spend. They're going to be restructuring old players that they have no choice but to keep on the roster because they need to. They're going to have to make space. bad moves. They're going to make bad. There, there's some players. By the way, yeah, huge pet peeve of mine is when everybody's been being like, "Oh yeah, they'll be fine. They'll get under the cap." Yeah, there's no. Obviously, they'll get under the cap. They have to. <laughs> they have. Bro, it's like, they the have the to. franchise it's will really- cease to exist if they don't get under the they cap. Like to. they have to. It's the rule. The problem is there. It's the rule. The the reason they're in trouble is because to get under the cap, they have. They're to gonna put- have to make bad decisions, like- and they're gonna have to put themselves in bad positions and hope that the players that they restructure don't fall off a cliff like Alshon Jeffrey. Or else they're going to be tied to some of these guys for the next four, three, four years with no way of getting off the deals. And it's going to be, it's going to be a tire fire in Philadelphia for three years if you have to make, if, you, if some of these bad decisions work out poorly. 
like some of the guys you're just, you're just guessing who's going to work like you're you can cut Alshon, cut Deshaun, get out of Malik's deal, uh get whatever money you can get from Kelsey when he when he lets go. Hopefully you can maybe ask Brandon Graham for a pay cut. Hopefully you can work some money around somewhere else. But then you're reconstructing deals because you have to. And I think there's some safe guys. I think Isaac Sayumalu is safe. I think even Javon Hargrave is safe. I think adding, I think I think Rodney McLeod is safe because he, he should ha- be safe. They he's guaranteed. Been he's guaranteed to be in the con. He's his 2020. Well, I guess he's he's only on a one year. So he's on kid. a two, he's on a two year deal. I think they should sign him to an extension and, and decrease his cap number. Yeah, I would I would now. extend him and cut and cut his cap number. Even if, he's, even if he's a backup, he's a good player. Twenty-two. He's a good player. And then you look at like Javon Hargrave. He's younger. I would try. To, hopefully, he. Oh yeah, out. McLeod is a great. McLeod is a great a great restructure. Can they should give McLeod an extension, lower his five million yeah. number next That's year, and extend it out so for a couple years. So yeah. there's some moves, but then like Isaac McLeod, Hargrave, I say we're sa- are safe to reconstruct. I would try. You have to. You have to do it with Brooks. You have to do it with Johnson. You have and to then, do it with Cox if you don't trade him. I would maybe look at Brandon Brooks Graham and say, traded. "Hey, can we extend you a year and cut your number down? Yeah. the money out." I would try Brandon, and then you're looking at. You're gonna hope that hurt. You're gonna hope that either Brooks or Lane stays healthy. That's a gamble. Yep. And then you, you're gonna you're gonna have to offload Ertz's deal and then give and then are you Darius Slay? You can get out of him rather soon. Are you gonna add another after next year? year? Yeah. Can you add another year onto that? Saying well, maybe it's gonna be diff- difficult decisions. So yeah, it's it's hard. It's, they're gonna be and maybe they can add like there's not gonna be any major moves. Like yeah, they're never gonna sign Allen Robinson. They're never gonna sign Will Fuller. Can they just get like? Can you get Stefan Wisniewski type players? Can you get like Vinnie Curry type players? Hey, like hey if Will Fuller wants to get good depth on the offensive line, if Will Fuller's market is shot because of the PEDs, I'll take him for three, four million. They try to get like money. I just don't Look, think that he'll go that low either. I think a team will say you're only gonna miss one game. Here we'll throw you your three-year, ten million dollars a year contract. I think Will Fuller's still gonna get paid. He misses one game for you, not the end of the world. Well, like there've been like think about the, like the one year gamble moves Roseman's taken. Like we know Robinson and Long worked, but Chris Givens and Ruben Randall failed. <laughs> Leos McKelvin failed. Uh, everybody, Corey everybody. Nelson failed. Everybody else, Mike Wallace, Haloti Nada, Corey, Corey Nelson didn't make it to training camp. <laughs> Will Parks and now Nikhil Robbie Coleman. So you need someone. LJ Fort. LJ Fort. He was actually a good player that Ken Flagel ruined. Uh, and Jim Schwartz too. So, but they need to find like guys like that who are just cheap, who don't cost much, who could just like help you a little bit. Depth on the offensive line, because good lord, Matt Pryor cannot be one of your best depth guys. I hate Matt Pryor. He was he actually I don't know why he was actually solid in relief of Brooks last year. Now he's just awful. He's just not a good football player. It happens. Just, you know, can yeah. you get like a backup center? Like and, and yeah, and we're dragging along a little bit here. So my, my final thought before we end it is just going to be like the, the, what we've just spoken about is the reason why drafting is going to be so important, because if you can draft well, then the fact that you're locked into these old expensive players is not going to be a huge deal because you'll have younger players on rookie deals to offset that. And so drafting is going to be such an importance and which is why the primary reason Howard Roseman cannot be here moving forward. And that's my final thought. Any final thoughts from you boys? Right now, you have to develop Jalen Hurts with the best of your ability that Doug Peterson's staff has left, and you're going in. Hopefully, you got the Doug Peterson and Howie Roseman cannot be back. 
Whether Carson Wentz is back or not, I'm rather indifferent on that situation right now. Same. Yep. But 2021, hopefully a new GM, a new head coach, and a co- and a quarterback competition that you can – because 2021 is going to be a rather rough year based on we're going to have old players still. Hopefully they're just fun. Bad and fun is much more than bad and sad. Yep. Yeah. Basically, my, my only thoughts is that if Peterson doesn't start – um, Jalen Hurts next week. It's he should be fired on the spot. Personally, he's play calling's been terrible. The giving the not giving the ball to Miles Sanders just disgraceful. But yeah, that's my final thoughts on the team. All right. Well, this has One been year. the Behind the Birds podcast. Thank you all for listening. If you made it this far, we appreciate you. Please continue to leave us our five star ratings on Apple, on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We will see you all maybe for midweek for an episode. Uh, I know Max did a cute uh, mailbag, so we can answer some mailbag questions this week. But uh, this has been Behind the Birds. Jay, Max, Donovan, Nodder. We'll see you all sometime, I guess. Peace.